Hey guys, you're listening to Drunk and Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie, and we're recording in the daytime again. And it feels it's weird. the daytime. Um, yeah, we are doing a very poor job of preparing. Um, which is funny because we keep talking about how we have to have a couple episodes like in the bank for holiday season because I'm like leaving for a couple weeks and we are extremely unprepared for that yep so we'll get there somehow yeah we, make, we'll we always make it work somehow yeah we do um okay cool so it's the daytime the traffic is kind of loud over here i feel like i also think there's construction happening in the unit downstairs today so uh we'll see how that goes sorry in advance also, um, if I'm it's... sneezing, we had construction in my unit yesterday, and it is still so dusty, and I'm, like, sneezing and sniffly, so, you know. Yeah, that's the worst. I know. Um, cool. So, it's the first episode of the month, um, yes, which means it's... it's Stephanie's Music Corner. Yeah, so today I'm going to talk about five albums that I really liked that came out in the month of October. So, the first one I'm um... going to talk about... What? I listen to all of these. Look at you. I'm so proud. Also, these well, are like... one of them I hadn't listened to, so I listened to it today. Fair. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about came out on October 7th. It is the third album from the uh, indie band Always, spelled with two Vs. Or if you're me, you just say Always every time. Um, their new album is called Blue Rev. So this album had me going start to finish. Like every single song, I was like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. Oh, shit, this is good. It's like the whole time I was just into it. It was great. Um, their music is so much fun to listen to. All three of their albums I'm a really big fan of. Um, so I gave this album a perfect 10. I absolutely loved this album. I also loved this album. I thought it was a really fun listen and... I, I mean, I love everything Always does. Yeah. So um, it was really exciting that they like kept the momentum going, I guess, from their first two and like still produced a very solid album. Um, yeah, their really last album this. came out in 2017, so it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I truly enjoyed this. Fun fact, I pre-ordered this in June or so um, and then forgot that I pre-ordered it in June and ordered a second copy from a different website that I was then, like, I was ordering from. And um, got an email from Polyvinyl that this had shipped and was like, what? What? I didn't order this. No, I did. I forgot about it. <laughs> what, so, I have to uh, get... so I have the Polyvinyl one. What was the other one you ordered? What other variant did you try to get? Oh, I just ordered one from um, Newberry Comics oh, as okay. part of, like, a... An order I'd placed when they were having a sale. Sure. Um, this album wasn't on sale, but... You just figured you'd get it all at I, once, yeah. Right, yeah. and to get the free shipping, I was like, I'll just order this too. I didn't. I didn't, thought I didn't order it, but... Yeah, so I had to deal with that. <laughs> That's fun. Um, yeah, I, I'm really bummed. They just came through Chicago recently um, on tour for the new album, and I was not able to go. I was very sad. Um, but I did get to see them play a couple of the singles over the summer when they opened for Courtney Barnett. So I've seen some of these songs. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about also came out on the 7th. It is the <laughs> second album 
from the Madison, Milwaukee-based band Disc, and it's called Desperately Imagining Someplace Quiet. Um, I did not like the first single that came out. I'm not going to lie. I, it sounded very different than what I expect Disc to sound like. Cause I, I loved their first album. I've seen them live a couple times. And I was like, this sounds nothing like them. This is not the vibe. This is not it. Uh, this album fucking rips. It is so mm-hmm. good. I was completely blown away by how good this album was. Haven't we seen them at like the bottle? On, they like, opened a for Shame day? on New Year's Eve in twenty nineteen. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then I saw um, them play Shuba's last year, and that's the show where the guy's mom filmed the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I really like this too. It wasn't really what I was expecting. Right. Um, when I when I put it on, I was like, oh, this is this is different. Um, it kind of did feel like, um, like genre wise, was a couple different genres mm-hmm. um and songs kind of varied on like what they were targeting from song to song but there was still this like overarching like grungy like garaginess to it that tied it all together which like i was worried when i was listening to it for the first time that like it just wouldn't make sense yeah from like a, a genre standpoint like i thought they were just like going all over the place but because they kept the, the garaginess of it up um it actually really worked out their um, music like in general is a little bit more like indie alternative than some of the other mm-hmm. bands in like this circle. So they're a little bit more low key than a lot of the other mm-hmm. bands in terms of like the punky sound. But yeah, yeah, this album was excellent. I gave this a 10. I love it. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is going to be me... one of my top 10 albums of the year. This came out of okay. nowhere and it's, I listen to this album like every single day. Nice. Yeah, this one, um, for me, it was interesting because, like, as you mentioned, like, they're kind of more low-key and less punky, but then Mm -hmm. in the middle of, like, a handful of songs, it just, like, they start to, like, really, like, shred for a second, and it's, like, so much fun when they do that. Um, Yeah, so I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um, So the next one I'm going to talk about also came out on the 10th. Hold on. Pulling something up. It is the, how many albums have they made? Oh, they made a bunch of albums. One, two, three. This is the fourth, fourth, like, real album. They've done some acoustic albums and some Spotify sessions and some remixes, but this is the fourth, like, traditional album from St. Lucia, and it's called Mm -hmm. Utopia. Their music is so high energy. Um, Like, I remember when I listened to their 2016 album, Matter, for the first time. Like, that album is crazy high energy. So this album definitely feels similar vein almost to that, with the level of energy they're bringing forward. And it's just such a fun, good album. You know, I agreed. Um, It's funny, because, like, I forget that St. Lucia has so much electronic bass into it. Um, So, like, every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forget that this is, like, because they were so heavy in, like, the regular indie mm-hmm. rock scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, everyone that listens to, like, you know, like, 2010s-ish era of yeah. indie rock listens to St. Lucia as well. And it's, like, so easy to forget that they are, like, electronic. And it's, like, really enjoyable because of that. And I feel like they're doing it differently every time. Um, so this album was a lot of fun to listen to. It's very hype. It's such a good indie pop album. Like, yeah. it's so fun. I gave this one a 10 as well. Like, I loved this album um so the next one i'm going to talk about came out on the 21st and i don't even know how many albums i'm not going to count the number of albums they've come out with but 
it's Arctic Monkeys, the car. Um, I loved the lounge sound they kind of started bringing forward on Tranquility Base. I really enjoy that album. And this almost is more in that vein than, say, like an AM or even a Suck It and See or the old albums. Um, it's it's very, like, loungy feeling still, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit more... I, a little bit more like beyond what they did in tranquility base i really enjoyed it a lot of people had mixed feelings about it but i really enjoyed it i think that what i like about this album is that it's kind of showing the progression of the indie sleaze mm-hmm. a little scene, bit yeah where uh, arctic monkeys are obviously like a huge indie sleaze band and like this kind of is what you're seeing with the 1975 new music as well mm-hmm. where they're both going for like a softer more mellow and it's almost just more indicative of like growing up and embracing like a new style of life yeah where things are more mellow you're not as like hype you're not doing drugs and drinking every day unless unless you're maddie healy you're maddie healy (laughs) (laughs) um but you know what i mean like it's it's sort of the progression of indie sleaze where they're not living that like grungy dirty lifestyle anymore but like it is still like what you would expect from an indie sleaze band absolutely um a lot of people have complained that it doesn't feel like an arctic monkeys album but i i I, it feels like it to me. I listened, when I first heard the song, There Better Be a Mirror Ball, I was like, oh yeah, this is excellent. See, I, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, I don't like when people are like, this doesn't feel like this band, as though they don't expect artists to progress right. and evolve as they get older. Like, that's sort of happening with Paramore's new single that's like heavy, like new wave um, and post-punk. And everyone's like, this isn't my Paramore. My Paramore is like Riot. And it's like, well, what do you expect? Like, it's been 20 years. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since these artists have made the music that you love. Like, what, what do you expect from them? And I agree. Like, this, the, the car still sounds like Arctic Monkeys. It still sounds like Alex Turner. Yeah. It just sounds like a more grown up Alex Turner. Yeah. What? A more grown up Alex Turner. Yeah. Like, a more evolved, like, yeah. he's gone through some shit, has lived his life a little bit more. Um, and I, I think as long as, like, it sounds like that person. It doesn't have to sound like the exact same band. I don't want to listen to the same record five times from the same band. Fair. That's very fair. Um, the last one I'm going to talk about also came out on the 21st, and it is, it's like her fifth album or something. It's The Loneliest Time by Carly Rae Jepsen. So this album kind of, at least one of the tracks, kind of blew up on TikTok. It's really weird because the bridge of the song is what's blowing up on TikTok. Um, but it's she makes such good pop music i love everything she does this is the kind of album i want to be at like a drag show yes like dancing at yes um it's so much fun it's got such like queer energy um and so it's like it's for the girls and the gays that's Absolutely. what this album is for um and i loved it um i gave this one and i gave arctic monkeys both a nine so it's, it's a pretty I do high want to ranking month. I um I just want to talk about one song that off the album by Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, and it's Beach House specifically because there's a hilarious line in it that like I cry laughing every time, and it's uh like a it's not her singing it's a it's like a man's voice and it says I got a lake house in Canada and I'm probably gonna harvest your organs and it's part of like the bridge <laughs> where it's like men making promises and then like the actuality of what their promise is Mm -hmm. so like before that one of the guys is like 
um, I got the big plans to take care of you. And then he goes, I'm just, I just need to borrow $10,000. I'm probably going to hurt you. And then like, it's just like the, the bridge is like just that. And it's so funny, but like, cul- like culminates in, I got a lake house in Canada and I'm probably going to harvest your organs. And <laughs> it kills me every time. Cause it's just so out of like left field. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but it's camp. And I love lyrically, it. this album is really good. And I love that she has Rufus Rain- Wainwright on the song. And I always think of him in his Hallelujah cover from the Shrek soundtrack and the fact that he's gone full circle singing with Carly Rae. Iconic. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, it's a great album. So, yeah, um, October's had a lot of really good albums come out. Um, King Gizzard put out three albums for some godforsaken reason. Um, Why not? Yeah, I guess why not? Um, um, overall, a bunch, October's like, as had we a mentioned. really good track record for music releases like even if you were to look through what i've documented so far sevens eights nines tens almost across the board mm-hmm. yeah like nines that you didn't talk about and there's a lot of nines to, so. i didn't talk about yeah so yeah good month for music and the next time we talk about music likely it'll be end of year wrap up so We'll see what comes out yeah. then. Maybe we'll have a, another nation of language like last year that they whip out an album in mid-November and that changes my entire album list for the year. Because I've already Maybe. kind of got mine like kind of laid out unless something just comes in and destroys it like it did last year. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of like really high-ranking albums, so it's going to be hard for me to kind of like I've had to start um, thinking about down. it because I have so many high-ranking albums. Yeah. Yeah, same. So it's not gonna be fun to figure out. No. But I have a lot that I'm like, oh yeah, that's my favorite, and then I like one that I'll forget about and then remember and listen to. I'm like, fuck, this is my favorite now. Yep. So we'll see how it goes. Um. Yeah. So that was Stephanie's music corner. Cool. So let's get into the beer stephanie what are you drinking i am drinking nosferatu from great lakes brewing out of ohio so i was actually gifted this for my birthday from a friend of ours a few weeks ago and this is an imperial red ipa i'm very i have not tried this yet so i'm very excited to crack this open cool uh, I'm drinking Swami's India Pale Ale. This is uh, from Pizza Port Brewing Company out in Carlsbad, California. Um, and it says that this was brewed first in 1992 to commemorate one of their favorite surf breaks nested below the spiritual enlightenment temple that sits on the cliffs above. Uh, so it's a West Coast IPA that features... Oh, it doesn't say. But the, the flavor profile on here is... Citrus, pine, crisp, balanced finish, um, but it does not say the hop combo. Yeah, I don't I know what the up, hop combo is on this either, but it just says, um, the romance copy they have says, don't be afraid of things that go hop in the night. Rich roasted malt flavors haunt the shadows of our imperial red IPA's bitter teeth. Spooky. Spooky. This is an 8% ABV, um, 70 IBU, so it's going to be pretty bitter. This is 6.8% and... Um, oh, so close. Why know, be, Why are they not... Everyone needs to make 6.9% beers. Come on, I know. Guys. You should just sprinkle a little bit more hops in there and like make it 6.9%. Yeah, 
Wait, show me that can on camera. That looks kind of cool from the angle. Ooh, that looks pretty. This one's spooky. Here, let me show you. Look at There's him. There's a, a girl in a bikini. That is pretty freaky. I like it. I do too. This is a really cool can. Um, yeah, somebody brought this for me. Of course, you know, like everyone buys me beer for my birthday. So this is one that somebody bought me. Ooh, mm. that's good. I like this a lot. I like this a lot too. It's got a very like crisp flavor profile. It's it's almost reminiscent of like Bodem, but not as very like mm, as Bodem. Mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. a little bit mild flavor. Um, I like this a lot. This is pretty crushable. It's very like bright and crisp. This is definitely has like floral notes. This is like malty and caramely and hoppy, so it feels very like fall. It, nice. like, it makes sense that it's like the Nosferatu Halloween beer because it feels like Halloween in an IPA. That makes sense. Um, yeah, this one feels like what you would expect from a West Coast. Um, but it's really cool because it's like a West Coast from the West Coast while drinking on a West Coast. Bad religion by bad religion by bad re- on bad religion. <laughs> super organism by super organism on, on super, super organism. organism. <laughs> Same energy. Um, yeah, the malt and hop combination they have in this beer is excellent. Like, Nice. I always forget how much I actually – I know it's, like, majorly distributed, so it's kind of like a – I don't really think about reaching for it as often, but Great Lakes makes some really good beers. Dude, their Christmas ale is my favorite. Oh, that is my shit. I'm going to buy the shit out of that. The Christmas is 7%. Oh, yeah. That thing goes down way too smooth for a 7% beer. It's too good and too smooth. Yeah, I agree. Great Lakes is like an easy one to forget, but their beers are very good. Yeah. I've always really liked what I've had from them. So um, what three words would you like to say about your beer? Um, I'm going to say bright, floral, and clean. So for my beer, I'm going to say malty, hoppy, and strong. Because this thing, for only being 8%, it tastes way heavier. And this thing, like, Sorry, only you. being 8%. I mean, it tastes like it'd be way heavier than an 8% yeah. beer. And this tastes like a 9 or 10% IPA. Okay. At least to me, anyways. Cool. She's, she's strong. Um, she good. She's strong. She mighty. Um, cool. So with that, we'll get into the episode. Yeah, so um, we actually kind of had fun trying to plan out doing this episode. We weren't really sure what to talk about, and we kind of just got on a tangent about television, and we kind of started talking about this. So we're going to talk about high fantasy television today. So um, right, right now, I feel like we're going through a resurgence of high fantasy on tv which i feel like happens every few years so right now is a really big time for that no i agree i feel like there's a bunch of high fantasy uh adaptations coming out Mm -hmm. right now um and it's like all at once so it's almost like strategic or it's meant to compete with one another yeah right it's hard to determine so we'll talk a little bit about like what we think is happening yeah but why don't you give us the definition of like what high fantasy yeah, is? Yeah, so high fantasy um, is obviously a subgenre, but it's kind of a couple of things I've what I've dug into that it kind of sets that stage. 
So the main thing is that it's set in an alternative fictional world. So you know how like Harry Potter takes place in the real world where there's this other thing happening? That is not high fantasy because that's got a grounding in the real world. Like Twilight is not high fantasy because it's got grounding in the real world. Those are terrible examples, but those are the first two I could think of. No, I mean, I think those are reasonable examples. Essentially, what you're saying is high fantasy creates its own world. Correct. So they're building, it's a a world building type thing. Um, Usually it's got some kind of um, plot that revolves around a world threatening problem or the main character's heritage. Um, And, in here it says it in it's usually about some kind of orphan or unusual sibling and they have some extraordinary talent for magic or combat you know the typical coming of age fantasy story um yeah so that's that's what it says here um it says that the progress of the story leads to its characters learning the nature of the unknown forces against them, that they uh, constitute a force with great power or malevolence, and the villains are completely evil, and they're, like, not relatable to... They're not a sympathetic villain. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. And that's just generalization. Obviously, that's not always the case, but that's kind of the generalization of those stories, specifically. You know, good versus evil, <clears throat> magic, shit like that. <laughs> no, I I think that makes sense. I think for me, like the the big overarching theme of high fantasy is that like world building mm-hmm. aspect of it, where you're kind of like transported into an entirely new universe, and you're learning about it the same way. Like maybe not the the re like the the harrow win or hero but like you're you're learning about as you go and i think Mm -hmm. that's a big indication i think that kind of grounds us a little bit in what i mean obviously the genres all blur together eventually so we'll probably cross borders at some point but i think that's a good starting point for um us to talk about some of these shows that have been going on yeah um i think it's a very good like grounding i guess framework Mm -hmm. so we uh yeah, absolutely. We'll end up talking about other things. But I think to start with, let's talk through the two big ones that came out this year, um, like at the same time, basically. Pretty much. They were airing at um, the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we had Rings of Power um, on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Um, and then House of the Dragon on HBO. I still that call that show Prime. House of Dragons, even though I know that's not well, the name. I- that was like something I, I purposely. We talked about to say that. House of the Dragon. I hate that it's called House yeah, of the Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Rings of Power, um, a Lord of the Rings prequel. Uh, I think I talked about it on a binge watch update at some point, but it's basically it's based off of the Silmarillion by Tolkien, um, which is kind of like, from what I understand, a almost like encyclopedia style thing. It like kind of details events that happen, but it's not like a, a written story. Okay. Um, like it, it's not like a plot story. It just kind of talks about things that have happened um, in the past. From my understanding, I have not read it. Um, and then House of the Dragon is an ad- adaptation of, I believe the story is called Fire and Blood. Um, and that is a similar idea. It's sort of like an account of 
these events as told by like multiple scholars um, in the A Song of Fire, Ice and Fire um, world. So mm-hmm. uh, both of them are sort of like written in a way that's not actually like a fully fledged plot. Um, so I think it's an interesting way to adapt because it gives you a lot of freedom for how you want to bridge the gaps. Um, and my understanding is like for House of the Dragon, there's a lot of events that happen that they don't tell you all the details for. So um, like, for example, um, when Rhaenyra's like husband, um, the fuck, the other the Valerian one, their last name, the what? Valerian. Is yeah, the Valerian one. But yeah, I can't remember. There's his too many last. names. This is a this There's is so a Game of Thrones problem. It's a but George it's the R. R. one that's gay. Yeah, the gay yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. When he goes off and leaves in the book, it's not clear if she kills him. Got it. Okay, not. so that was something so, that like, they adapted to say, right. like, oh, he left. Right, and because it's told as sort of like an account of that time. And it's mm-hmm. told from, like, multiple people, like, sort of keeping history. There's no way for them to know. Um, so the, the show is able to, like, expand on that. Be like, okay, well, she didn't. And in this way. Um, mm-hmm. And this is how it happened. So I think it's a really interesting way to be able to do that. And that's, like, not the only time. It's, it's quite a few times where there's, like, gaps that are filled and you don't know. And by being able to fill these gaps in the show a little bit more, it gives more, like, intent to the characters and more background into them. Um, because like from what I understand in the book, like Rhaenyra seems like a piece of shit, but then she's way more sympathetic in the show because of these like background details that you don't get from like the way it's told. That makes a lot of sense now that you talk about it. Cause the show has so many time jumps and I was like, why on earth does this show have so many time jumps? I don't know what's happening, but now that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's like sort of like a writing down oral history. Yeah. And so like when things don't happen, there's not as much history behind it. And I think that's why right. there's so many time jumps. It's also told like, so the, the story that we're seeing is just one of the six stories. Like I think there's three and then there's another book coming out. Oh. So this is just one of the stories. So they're like massively expanding on it. Um, right. Of course. That's really interesting. Right. So like, yeah. Um, so I think it's a really interesting way to adapt it. Um, I know people, so my personal opinion is I really liked it because it was one setting and one story that they were telling. Whereas like Lord of the Ra- or uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> had so many different stories they were telling at the same time and it was hard to follow all of them. I really mm-hmm. liked the focus on just the one story um, and how like it was progressing. Yeah, I, do I-, ha- like, I do think it was too many characters though. Yeah, too many characters, too many with the same name. But I do like that you kind of, because it is that little more focusedness of the storytelling, you, even though there's all these things happening, it's all contributing to the same plot in the same way, rather than the actual Game of Thrones series where there's like 500 plots happening and then some of them intertwine, some don't. This all kind of funnels together into its own, the climax of the show. Yeah, exactly. And, like, with Game of Thrones, some of the stories you just do not care about. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, like, a way to have fixed that by, like, focusing on the one story. But, yes, uh, too many too many characters, though. Um, so then going into Rings of Power, it's sort of 
it's the same idea as I mentioned. Like, the Silmarillion is sort of just, like, a telling of what happened during the years mm-hmm. prior to Lord of the Rings. Um, I personally thought it moved too slow. Um, okay. And, like, it had the faults that I thought Game of Thrones had, where it's a ton of storylines. Granted, like, they're all, I guess, sort of marching towards the same point. Um but they're not, it's not obvious what they're funneling towards yet. And I don't know, it was like nine, ten episodes, and it's still not obvious in some of these storylines what they're funneling towards. Yeah. Um, so I think that was one of the issues I had. I do think it's beautifully done. It's gorgeous. You can see where the money went. Um, but it moves a little slow for my taste. And the characterization of so, like, with the House of the Dragon, you don't know really anything about these characters. You don't have, like, mm-hmm. a basis for them that's based off of Game of Thrones. But for a lot of these characters in um, the Rings of Power, you do have a basis for their characterization from the Lord of the Rings movies. Wait, so some and, of these... Because I haven't seen Rings of Power. So some of these characters show up Oh, I mean, it's, like, show up Galadriel, in... Elrond. Oh. It's about Galadriel and Elrond. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And like the say, rise, I... the the first rise of Sauron. Right. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. So okay. like, got it. Because some of these now. characters are in that, and they're very like important, pivotal characters. It's kind of hard to like rectify their complete character shifts, other than like maybe they changed over a couple thousand years, but like. It's just hard to look at it and be like, this is an exact, this is the exact opposite of what this person's like later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit hard. And then, um, the uh, one of my favorite things though about it is that you like, there's like sort of a mystery. Like there's a stranger who you don't know who it is, and like you know Sauron's gonna come about at some point, and you just like don't know when. And there's kind of like a twist at the end um, that I think they did really well. Um, so I enjoyed that quite a bit. Like, I kept watching to be like, are they going to tell us who Sauron is? Are they going to finally fucking tell us? Is it this guy? Who is this guy? Who is he? (laughs) Um, but I enjoyed it. It's really, really beautiful. You can see that where the money was spent. It's um, one of the most expensive television shows ever made. Is that correct? If not the most. Yeah. It might be the most ever. Damn. Damn. Yeah, I mean, they spent a lot of money on, like, the sets. Um, and I guess I can't, like, fault them for moving slowly because there's so much to tell and they yeah. have seasons to tell it in. Um, so that's just, like, my one complaint. But I would watch it again knowing what we're going through, like, what we're getting into. But so... having watched, like, Rings of Power and then watched House of the Dragon, I did have a preference for House of the Dragon. Yeah, so... But I know people had the opposite. Actually, most people I've talked to that have seen both, have pref- I've, that, I, that I've spoken to, preferred the storytelling of House of the Dragon. Um, but do we know when season two of Rings of Power is coming? So I know they're saying 2024 for season two of House of the Dragon. I wouldn't be surprised if it was... Sometime 24. 24. Yeah. Yeah, it says that they began work October 2022, so maybe 2024. Yeah. End of um, 24. Yeah, it's 
they spent a lot of time making season one, so I can see them spending a lot of time making season two. Of course, yeah. Um, one of the other big ones that's coming is we're going to have season two of Shadow and Bone, which that show is also an amazing high fantasy story. Yep. So that one's um, on Netflix. Yep. Is it technically young adult? I think it's based off of a young adult fiction book, but it is, I mean, it is the same thing where it's a high fantasy type story. No, for sure. I just wasn't sure if the genre for like the book was young adult. I don't know. I think the book's considered a a young adult fiction. It's a fantastic adaptation. Um, The the story and the characters don't feel young adult in the adaptation. So like Netflix definitely like ages it up. Um, Yeah, I liked it. I'm really excited for it. Also, Ben um, Barnes is we've really hot. So, Ben Barnes has an age somehow. First of all, but yeah, he's isn't he's he very like forty? Um, he's got to be. He's got yeah. like the same age as like Chris Evans. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, so we've talked about that one before too. But um, this one is interesting because it was so big on Tumblr as yes. a book oh my god um, yes and so the adaptation i think for us is like really exciting because we were like into it as a part of like tumblr culture yeah um so that one's really fun i'm very excited um i watched that one with matt and he's excited too yeah that's like peak tumblr culture but actually it's kind of interesting because like obviously the Lord of the Rings series kind of came up, obviously a really long time ago, but it went through its resurgence when they did the films in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some like my brothers were quite a bit younger then, and like obviously they were super hyped for uh, Rings of Power because they were big Lord of the Rings guys back then. So for them, it's it's kind of a similar thing where like even though it wasn't multiple adaptations. It um, was like us going through Tumblr culture and then seeing Shadow and Bone as an adaptation versus like my siblings seeing the original adaptations and these newer adaptations of these additional bits of the story of the, you know, Tolkien stuff. Yeah. Because those Hobbit movies were trash. They were not good. Matt grew up with Lord of the Rings as well, so he was excited about that. Um, Okay, so moving on, I do... I just remembered this one, and I forgot that this is, like, considered high fantasy, but we have a new season of The Witcher coming soon. Yeah. Um, oh, well, we Henry Cavill's a... going to be in this one, and then he won't be in it after. He Well, there's a spinoff, and then he's going to be in the third season in 2024th season? Whatever the next season is, in 2023. Um, and then they're replacing him. But um, I forgot that The Witcher is considered high fantasy. Oh, that's absolutely a high fantasy adaptation. I forgot. Well, I mainly forget that it's based off of a book. Because I know it's a video game. Wait, so The Witcher is a book? This. Yeah. I just know it's a video game. No, it's a book that the video game was based off of. And then they huh. adapted the books, I guess. Interesting. I didn't realize. You know. I forgot. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's coming. It's been a thing. Um, it's It's so good. That's a great Henry show. Henry Cavill's so hot as The Witcher. I know. Um, that's a really good show. It is um, a really good show. The internet's I'm been a very upset out. that he's not going to be yeah. in it long term. 
Yep, I'm bummed out about that too because I feel like he like epitomizes the Witcher. Like he's the perfect Witcher. Oh, absolutely. He like looks like Geralt. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that one's uh, one, and then I think one that we're also very excited that came out this year was that this year. Um, excited to talk about though was the Sandman. That one's kind of weird too because that's kind of novel. Yeah. Well, not even that it's a graphic novel. That one kind of is one of those ones that crosses the bridge of what genre it is a little bit. Um, But that show was excellent. That was, um, yeah, it's a good question about, I guess it's not necessarily high fantasy because it does take place in our world. Right? I don't know. Let's look it up. I think that's technically our world. They're just like beyond our world. Yeah, but I think it is considered just regular fantasy because it's they come into our world and our world is involved. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to classify what these things are sometimes. No, I agree. Um, But that's, I guess we'll just mention that in passing. We did mention that, like, we'll probably end up jumping around a little bit with, in the... you know cross through yeah um so this is another show that you and i did not watch um but i think it's worth talking about is the wheel of time i've um, heard really good things about it i'm just really bad at keeping up with tv i still haven't seen the new seasons of stranger things yeah i forget that every time um but it's a that's a big commitment um, so the Wheel of Time is based off of a novel series that was written by an American author Robert Jordan. Um, and what like the one of the main things I know happened is he died before he finished the series. Um, so he had oh, left. Oh yes, I did know to that. Complete. And high fantasy author Brandon Sanderson is who finished it. Who former guest Joe is obsessed with. Yeah, I know Joe's obsessed um, with with his stuff. So much to a point where he was reading a Brendan Sanderson novel on the airport and, like, losing his shit. Um, so that one, I think, is a – it's been a long time coming, I think, the adaptation of it. Um, but they are renewed for a second – or, sorry, the second season aired this year, and then they're renewed for a third season. It's, like, one of those – I feel like going to be a very, like, long – series or has a lot of like source Mm -hmm. material but this is on amazon prime um i don't know how people feel about it you said people like it a lot i've heard good things about it i've not heard anything bad about it okay um one that i was gonna reference that i mean i would put it into this category but it's not necessarily it's one of those that's also maybe crossing the bridge a little bit um have you ever seen Penny Dreadful? It used to be on Showtime. Um, it's it's yeah, almost more of, of like a gothic horror. But the way that they set up this story, I would almost put in a similar way of um, like a high fantasy telling. Um, this show is crazy. Um, like literally, if you want to imagine any type of 19th century British fiction that... It, characters you can think of between 
Dorian Gray and Van Helsing and Count Dracula and Frankenstein. Like, everything is just slapped into one story. Like, literally, every everyone you could think of is in this story. And mm-hmm. it's really well done. Like, it's probably one of my favorite TV shows I've ever watched. Okay. Um, yeah, I, that's one that I would also throw in... I would throw into the mix, mm-hmm. but it's hard. That's one that's also hard to be like, what's what? No, I agree. Um, another one, you and I haven't watched it, but I think you said Steve has, um, is the television adaptation of His Dark Materials. Which, that's the um, one with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes, it is. Um, we haven't watched it. I watched the movie that came out in like, 2007 2008 like the um i think it was the golden compass or something like that they did a piece of it um with like the little ferrets that's a part of that i've seen that movie yeah well that movie was an adaptation of it i think the show was like a new adaptation of it because like the, the movies didn't do very well got it okay so i saw that movie at least golden compass i did not yeah, know no, did those too. were the same thing uh, James McAvoy is in this. He's in a lot Professor of things. X. Yeah, he's in a lot of things. Well, I'm just saying. I'm looking at it now. Um, we talked about Shadow and Bone. I'm just looking through this list. Yeah, well, so I also saw someone make the argument i know it's not like a recent show but i actually saw someone make the argument that avatar the last airbender and the legend of korra fall into this genre as a whole they're obviously not recent but i I would i saw someone make the argument on reddit and i was like no that makes sense no i would agree with you there um i think i wanted to just hit quickly on some that are coming out and then i think it would be fun to talk about like sure. why we think this is happening yeah um so one of the main ones i know is coming out is an adaptation of a court of thorn and roses which is like a young adult high fantasy um novel that's very hot to read but it's about fairies um but they're doing an adaptation of it i think for hulu um, but I know people are very excited about that because it's been like sort of a thing that was going to happen for many years and it seems like it's actually going to happen. Um, is that another one of those books that someone based off of a fan fiction when they were like a teenager? Cause that's what it sounds like. Um, I mean, it, it could be, I have no way of knowing that, but um, that's the vibe I got reading that. Did you read it? I read the, the first one. Oh, it gets so much hotter after that. You should have read oh. the second one. No, I just read the first one. The smut is real good. <laughs> we, we love a good, smutty, young adult novel, <laughs> which should not be a thing we say together. Those two things I mean, don't they're all belong like, together. But all the characters are over 18. But um, I actually don't know if it's young adult. It reads like it at times, but I don't know. I would think young adult novels don't have smut. I would hope not. I did not need to be reading that when I was 13. I mean, 
Not saying I wasn't, but I did not need to be. <laughs> not published. <laughs> Fair. Um, supposedly, there is an adaptation of The Chronicles of Narnia coming out. Another um, one? At some point. But Netflix acquired all seven books. So they're going to do another um, one? Are they going to bring Ben Barnes back? Uh, we'll see. I hope so. <laughs> He's my Prince Caspian. Um, Apple TV uh, has been adapting Foundation by Isaac, Asim- Isaac Asimov um, so that there's another season coming of that, I think. Um, I've not heard of that one. What, what is that? It's fine. It's fine? Oh, okay. It's just called... <laughs> I, re- I watched, like, two episodes of it, and I was like, this is fine, I guess. I guess they're AMC's doing a new TV adaptation of Interview with the Vampire. That's currently going on right now. Um, I uh. want to watch that, because I was at Old Irving a few weeks ago, and they had it on, and I was just, like, engrossed in watching it. Okay. Um, And that's all I have for now, because I don't want to keep looking. It's fair. Um, but I think this leads into our next conversation topic, which is probably going to be like relatively brief, but I think it's interesting that there's a lot of fantasy adaptations, high fantasy adaptations kind of resurging specifically around the TV genre. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we're, we're not seeing as much, nearly as much, um, in the, like the, the movie space, cinema, cinematic experience. And I, there's a part of me that thinks that this is mainly because you can tell more of the story in a better way. Um, through TV, and I think they've seen that through, like, various, like, previous adaptations at, of high fantasy mm-hmm. and the success of um, previous, like, television adaptations of high fantasy. So, like, Game of Thrones before, you know, it fell off mm-hmm. was a very successful adaptation that had a huge budget and was able to tell the story in a very, like all-encompassing manner until the um, end until the end well until they had no more source material yeah um and i think that's the reason we're seeing a lot of like television adaptations of um high fantasy but i don't really i think i have like a a suspicion of why it's happening so much all of a sudden Mm -hmm. um but i want to hear your opinion I mean, until we started talking about this, I really had, I don't put much thought into these things because I also don't watch that much TV. Um, so if I am watching TV, to be completely honest, I'm rewatching Golden Girls or Adventure Time because I have nothing else to do with my life. Um, sure. And I have no ability to focus on anything ever. But I think that part of it, I would almost argue, is that the networks are trying to compete with each other right now. Because it's very much like a cutthroat world with everyone, you know, selling off their crap and cutting employees and whatnot. Um, so I think it's very much networks. They're re- trying to release things at the same time so they can compete with the other networks. Because obviously, when Game of Thrones was on TV, everyone had HBO. Everyone had a friend yeah. that was using HBO. And nowadays, like, that's not really the thing anymore. People don't have HBO anymore because... There's nothing like drawing them to it in the same way. So all these networks are trying to release all of these shows to try to draw in the audience for this high fantasy adventure type thing. 
No, I think that's a very accurate thing. Because, um, like, obviously there's a huge amount of competition in the streaming community or, like, mm-hmm. the streaming um, business right now with everyone having their own streaming service. And I think they're all, like... They're trying to justify like, their existence at this point. They're all, like, climb, yeah, and climbing over each other to try and get content to, to justify their existence, yeah, mm-hmm. and to build revenue stream. Yeah. Um, and I think fantasy is something that people love. It's, like, a, a way to oh, escape... Yeah. And you can just get completely engrossed in it. And I feel like that's one of the reasons these adaptations are happening so much, too, is because, like, there's a lot of nostalgia behind certain, um, like, certain, like, source material. Um, so you get, like, you get people from that. But then also if you do it in a way that's, like, engrossing, um, you can almost try and – I think a lot of them are trying to build – the magic of what HBO had with Game of Thrones again. I would, I would 100% uh, and I think that's, like, a big – stretch goal for them yeah yeah um i i just remember when game of thrones was first airing like how engrossed they had us in a gorilla grip like the chokehold we had game of thrones watch parties every week we mm-hmm. everyone and talked about it parties. at work and like rewatching it together like yeah every network is trying to get that going which i think is maybe the downfall of it um where like the i think the reason game of thrones was so successful at the time was it was the only thing like that really airing and it was so different and it was just like a literal cultural phenomenon yeah and i think that by every streaming network trying to recapture that it's just going to dilute it. And, like, I mean, I enjoy all the things that are coming out, but mm-hmm. I don't think anything's ever going to capture that kind no. of, like, like fan base and that, like, cultural, like... It's cultural reset. Like, a literal, like, awakening. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, HBO's even trying to do it now with House of the Dragon. Like, they're... I think they're trying to redeem themselves because they scorned themselves so bad with that last season and a half of Game of Thrones. Um, that's why they put Matt Smith in it. I'm telling you, they're trying to capture the Tumblr girlies. No, I don't get the Matt Smith thing. Um, I can't. It freaks me out. <laughs> I feel the same way about him as I do about Adam Driver, but Adam Driver at least has a character that he played with a very hot fan fiction that made me think he's attractive. There's not there been enough one. House of the Dragon content for them to be writing that level of hot fan fiction about Matt Smith's character. So just keep that in There's mind. There's not that level of Kylo Ren content for them to be writing that level of fan fiction about Kylo Ren. People are just unhinged. Girl, there were three seasons of Daredevil and a girl's been writing the longest fan fiction ever written about Matt okay, Murdock, okay? okay? <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's not stopping you from it's reading it. It's not stopping. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think in a year or two years, it'll be interesting, like, how many of these shows continue. Because mm-hmm. um, we're seeing, like, cancellations of shows that we thought were, like, at the time, were insane, super good. Like Westworld's yeah, Westworld recently. just got canceled. I mean, because the people last stopped caring. season was really bad and it went way down. No, I know, but, but like people stopped caring. Yeah, 
And so I'm, I'd be interested in how many of these shows that are being adapted right now are going to fall off and not really be finished because pe- it's too much or people don't care anymore. Yeah, I've also found, I mean, this happens in television in general, like beyond just this genre, they, people don't know when to end a story. And they just 100%. keep stretching it and stretching it and stretching it. There's very few shows nowadays that are like, we have a one story to tell. We are going to tell that story and be done. Well, I think we're, hopefully we'll see more of that. I know some of the shows I watch, they've said we're doing four seasons. Well, we're the Good Place has, Good Place was like that, right? I mean, I only watched yeah. the first season, but. The Good Place, I think they were like, we have six seasons worth of story. Yeah. We're dying after that. Um, I mean, Never Have I Ever is also that way where they're, Mindy Kaling has said, we're following her through high school. It ends at the fourth season. Mm -hmm. We're done. Um, And House of the Dragon, I believe they've said they're doing four seasons. Yeah. So they're not just going to keep extending it. Yeah. They they have a story to tell. They know when it ends. And that's what they're going to finish it. So hopefully because these adaptations do have a story to follow mm-hmm. and there's a clear end to these stories. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we see that they do get ended and they don't keep going on and on and on just to like keep creating content. Yeah. But I think only time will tell. Yeah. I would agree. And maybe you we'll see, we'll I'll say maybe we'll see what other kind of fan fiction will come out of all of this. I mean, I don't know that I want to read fan fiction about any of these stories. <laughs> I haven't been, but Tumblr is pushing it on me. Whether or not there. I have to see that creepy looking guy from House of the Dragon with the eye patch on my feed oh, no, no, way no. too frequently. Tumblr's no. like pushing his content on me, and I'm like, we gotta stop. You know, teenage girls confuse me sometimes. So, like, I don't know what about that is hot, but. I have way Maybe too many friends now. that have read uh, Hannibal fan fiction, and that man's a literal cannibal. So <laughs> don't don't tell don't, don't know why. That's fair. <laughs> I think with that, <laughs> I think with that, it about wraps it up. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and leave us a five-star rating. And if you're feeling extra spicy, you can uh, leave us a written review. Um, If you're not totally cool leaving a review in a public setting and you still want to tell us how much you enjoyed our podcast, if you listen through the songs, you can uh, hear all of our social media plugs and you can talk to us there. Did you just have a moment where, like, you saw life flash before your eyes because you said spicy instead of saucy? Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. Yes, that's actually what happened. Because <laughs> I saw, I heard spicy, and then I looked at you, and you're like. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. So listen to the songs, talk to us on social media, and we will see you next time. All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you. Um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is drunkanduncultured. 
And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.